Good morning again to everybody in this room, those of you joining us at home. We're so glad that you're here this morning to worship together. There's a man. Uh, he died in 1997. His name was Victor Frankel. Many of you recognize that name because he wrote a book that is considered to be one of the 10 greatest books in America, Man's Search for Meaning. He actually wrote 39 books in the uh, course of his life, but that one in particular, when he died, it had sold more than 10 million copies. And uh, the book is essentially, for those of you who haven't read it, um, it's essentially about his experience as a Holocaust survivor. And he talks in the book about just what he observed in himself and what he observed in the lives and in the hearts and minds of others alongside him in those horrific circumstances of a concentration camp. And one of the things that is kind of a cornerstone of the book is just this idea that human beings always have a choice. And sometimes we're like, eh, but, uh, but the way he talks about that is he says that between stimulus and response, there is always a window, albeit sometimes very small. Stimulus meaning things coming at you in life that you have no control over. Things that come into your life, things that you encounter in the world, stimulus. Response, meaning how you react or respond to those things. And he says, always the amazing thing of being a human being is that there is a window, sometimes very obscure, but there is a window of choice. And sometimes it's just right here, right? Sometimes it's just right here in the mind where a person can choose how they will see themselves, how they will see others, and how they will see the world. That there is this moment, <laughs> this sometimes slick, split second between stimulus and response where choice lives. And it's interesting because when you think about the most resilient human beings, the stories that uh, of people who inspire us, you know, I think in my office I have two big, you know, picture books of, of Dorothy Day and Nelson Mandela. You know, when you think of, of figures like that in history, the thing that often amazes us about the resiliency of the human spirit is that it seems that some people come to realize or accept that even more than living in Platte Park or Denver or America, we live right here in our minds and how we choose to see ourselves and each other and the world. And today, our gospel passage, Jesus is inviting us into living in kind of a metaphorical view of the world. And it begins right here in our minds and how we see the world. He says this, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who's not the shepherd, and does not own the sheep, sees, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is inviting us to live in this metaphorical world. A world where there are a whole slew of sheep and one good sacrificial shepherd. In this world, there are wolves. There are enemies that bring trouble. And in this world, there are hired hands who sort of play the role of shepherds but cannot offer what the one true good shepherd can offer. Because ultimately, those hired hands desert the sheep in favor of self-interest. So in this world that Jesus is painting, there is one good shepherd. And you know, it can be kind of funny for us to try to put ourselves in this world because most of us have never been herding sheep in our lives. Most of us have not been foraging for food on the side of a grassy slope. Most of us have no firsthand experience with shepherding. But the scriptures are inviting us to try to live in this world with God as our shepherd and we as the sheep. In fact, this sort of image of a shepherd with sheep It's one of the most pervasive images throughout scripture. There's been a tremendous amount of art and stained glass created around this imagery because it's so very pervasive in scripture. It's like over and over and over again, God through the scriptures is patiently inviting us to imagine ourselves in this landscape, to view the world in this way. Now, there are many ways right now in this um, message to try to enter this metaphorical world, right? We could do like heaps of research about Old Testament shepherding. We could, you know, talk about the Passover. We could talk about the landscape of hills and valleys. But today I just want to keep it super simple. I hope that we can leave having our imaginations peaked to live a little bit more in the simple pieces of this metaphor. So let's just simply try to imagine where we might find ourselves. Sheep, shepherds, wolves. Can we talk about that? So when Jesus said he is the good shepherd, he was speaking to people who would have known Psalm 23. And that passage of scripture is one of the most famous passages in the whole of the Bible. I mean, if you have been um, to a funeral any time recently, you know, it's highly likely that Psalm 23 was read. Um, Very common that we would read this passage at a funeral. There's something about Psalm 23 that just resonates deeply with us. The words, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Later it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no no evil. Why? Because you are with me. 
And surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are words that just like, we're just like drawn to them. If you grew up in church, likely you might have memorized them. But what does it mean to be a sheep? I mean, just at its most basic level, to be a sheep is to be a creature. Like sheep probably do not spend a lot of time contemplating whether or not they're God. They probably don't think too much about ambition or success or storing up treasures for themselves. They're mostly just about eating and sleeping and frolicking and playing. They don't spend their days thinking that they are the source of all that is. They don't spend their days thinking about themselves as the center of the universe. A sheep is a creature created and loved by a creator. And being a sheep also means being a part of a community. Sheep are found in herds. Sheep don't think that they should live all alone. They don't think that they should be independent, never ever reliant on anyone else, heaven forbid. They know they need one another. They are safest and they're happiest when they're part of a community. And sure, sometimes one wanders off, but when one wanders off or becomes lost, they know they're in a precarious situation, out there all alone, vulnerable to the wolves. Also, sheep are followers. You know, they're followers because they have no idea where they're going. Like, sheep do not have that internal GPS system to say, like, here's all the map of where the really nice grassy places are. That is, they need someone to guide them. They need someone who has been there to guide them. So to be a sheep is it's remarkably similar to being a human. Because we too are creatures in need of community, who need a guide. Because we often, if we're honest, have no idea where we are going. We are sheep, kind of like in this metaphorical world that Jesus is painting and that we see throughout scripture, we can be nothing else but sheep because we're not the rulers of our lives. <laughs> we're not the rulers of our herds. We're not the masters of our destiny. We are creatures who need each other and need a good shepherd. So first we're sheep. And then let's just talk about shepherds for a second because Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now he says, I'm not the hired hand. And it's fascinating to think of the true shepherd and the hired hand in this world. The true shepherd is an owner. The hired hand is not. The, the hired hand is kind of like sort of offering, halfway offering what the sheep needs. It's like Jesus is saying in a sense, like, hey, be aware that there are two types of shepherds you can follow. One that is good, who really cares, 
who acts like an owner, who will lay down his life for the sheep, and the other, more like a hired hand, sort of doing the role of shepherding, but really just in it for the money, ultimately not good, and ultimately going to leave in favor of self-interest. So I think if we are honest, when it comes to this idea of shepherds, we could say our entire lives, we are in search of a shepherd. Like, whether a person is a person of faith or not, there is a sense that the human spirit is always searching for a shepherd. Like, who or what will take care of things? Who or what will finally put things right? Like, our entire lives, we're looking for someone or something that will take care of it. And we thought, you know, maybe some of you still do, but often, you know, we thought our parents would be that. We thought our parents would be our shepherd. Or maybe, you know, you got married thinking, like, your spouse will be your shepherd. Like, your, your spouse will finally make things right, make everything okay. Or sometimes we think, like, if we just vote in that next leader, they'll take care of everything. They will be our shepherd. They will make everything right. Or even we get involved in a church, right? And we hope that our leaders there will be our shepherd, that they'll take care of everything. Now, for some of you who are, like, you know, very natural-born leaders, you maybe came to the conclusion very on, like, I will be my own shepherd. Because, like, with enough drive, with enough education, with enough experience, with enough of a network, I can take care of everything. I can be my own shepherd. The metaphor that scripture invites our minds to live in is this. We are sheep in desperate need of a shepherd. And no one else can be your shepherd except for this one good shepherd. Like, there's no father or mother love that is deep enough. There is no spousal love that compares. There is no dwelling that can answer it. There is no friend love or professional accomplishment. There's no praise or acclaim. Jesus is saying, like, I am the good shepherd. There's no one else who can guide you like I can. There's no one else who can provide for you like I can. There's no one else who will be with you always like I am. There is nothing that can fulfill you like I can. So scripture is saying that this shepherd is a particularly good shepherd. One who will lay down his life for you. And the truth is you can have other shepherds, like there are these hired hands. But what you will find in the end is that every other shepherd you seek to shepherd you will somehow let you down. Now the metaphor only works, it's like Jesus is saying, I have to be your everything. And the truth is, we often come to our relationship with God, kind of like, Jesus, would you be my consultant when I need you? 
you know, would you would you be this this side thing in my life when it's helpful to me? I'm in a pinch. Will you bail me out? But Jesus is saying, I need to be your everything. I am the good shepherd, and I want to be your everything. And you can have other shepherds, but they will let you down. I mean, you think about parents. Your parents, most likely, most likely your parents did the very best that they could. Most parents do. Your parents most likely gave you the very best that they had. But the truth is, it still isn't enough. It can't be. It cannot possibly be. Because the holes that are inside of us are holes that only can be filled up by the one who created us. Your parents, they probably gave you the very best that they possibly could, and it still wasn't enough. Let's talk uh, for just a minute about wolves in the story. Like this good shepherd never promised life would be easy. Like it is a scary landscape for the sheep. There are real dangers and God never promised life would be easy. God promised, I'm always with you, and I'm everything you need. Now, in Psalm 23, God says, you know, I am preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, it's like the scriptures are inviting us to see that as we walk through this life, be expecting enemies will surround you. The wolves are real. The dangers are real. The darkness is deep. The war is on. But as your good shepherd, right in the middle of that scene of enemies surrounding you, I'm going to lay out a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The enemies aren't going away. The battle scene is still there, but God is like, come on, sit down. Let me nourish you. Let me feed you. I am preparing a table for you right here in the midst of this. I am present here, and I'm rolling out a table. So eat this bread. Drink from this cup. And if you make me your everything, you will find I am enough. Like I'm everything you need. And you will say with the psalmist, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because no matter what happens out here, God is always present. Between stimulus and response, a table is always laid. I always have the option to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, beginning now and lasting into eternity. See, in this world right now, like if we're just like feet to the street, bring it down. In this world right now, there are wolves, right? There are enemies surrounding you. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Racial injustices are dividing us. The deep divides in our world are so deep, some people see no way out. There are a lot of enemies. There is a lot of trouble. There are a lot of wolves. All of this is putting tremendous strain on you and I putting tremendous strain on individuals, on families, on faith communities, on friendships. Like we're surrounded by enemies, and there is so much temptation 
in that environment to despair, to give in, to disdain for one another, judgment of one another, even hate for one another. There is so much temptation. And here's the thing. Between stimulus and response lies this power of choice that God has given every human being. Like, it is your power to choose how you will see you, others, and the world we live in. And the story of the scriptures, it's like it's inviting us to see the world in a certain way. And, and it begins right here in our minds. Like, what metaphor will you live in? Because, yes, the world is on fire. And also, right here, in the midst of this very moment in history, this very time that is no accident that you are living in this moment, in this history, with the family that you have and the children that you have and the grandchildren that you have and the world that you, on the street that you live in, the house that you live, like that's no accident. You are where you are and the enemy, it may feel like the enemies are surrounding you, but in that, may we not forget that we're gathering like right now in this holy sanctuary space that has stood on this corner for almost a hundred years. And it is not the first time the world has been on fire and people have gathered to worship in the midst of chaos in the world. God is here and God is everything you need. Tim mentioned it earlier, but today we're celebrating First Communion with a um, handful of kiddos who went through a First Communion class last Sunday. And if you are thinking, oh, I wanted my kids to be in that, we'll do it again, don't worry. Um, but what a cool thing that like today, a bunch of kids are gonna come up to join us in this space and to walk alongside you to come to the table to receive the broken bread and the poured out wine, to be nourished by the one who says, I am the good shepherd, to experience the real presence of Jesus alongside you. And it is here that we come together to see God is enough. God is always with us, whatever we may face. And when we make him everything, when we trust him for everything. We realize he is everything. He is enough. It's here that we come together and like practice together living in the reality that surely, surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So at this time, parents, if you have kiddos who are coming up for communion, I want to just say, go ahead right now, um, get your kids, please um, get them, bring them up. And as those parents do that, I want to invite everyone else who's remaining <coughs> to join me in reading Psalm 23 together. We'll make it a prayer. And then after we read this psalm out loud together, Charlie's going to sing a song for us uh, that very much, this, 
this song very much was a source of inspiration for everything we have talked about today. Beautiful song about Psalm 23. So we'll, we'll hear that song and then we'll participate in communion together. Um, but let's read Psalm 23 out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 